every single person in the world is a salesperson and every interaction you have is a sale. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm serial entrepreneur and investor, Emmy Kirshner, and I'm known for sprinkling just a little bit of glitter throughout the streets of Philadelphia and on the stages that I speak while I help creative entrepreneurs stop struggling as the overworked admin in their business and become the CEO of their multi-six and seven-figure businesses. What has fascinated me over the years are the stories of success and failure that courageous entrepreneurs who have put it all on the line face as they change lives, disrupt industries, and become incredible leaders themselves. So if you're looking for a community of engaged entrepreneurs and you'd love to get some resources and tools that can help you fast track your business, I invite you to join the Tribe of Leaders Facebook group. The link is in the show notes if you want to connect with us. And of course, the group is free to join. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am super excited to be hanging with Dan McPherson today. I had the opportunity to record um, an interview with him on his podcast, Dreams Are Real. Um, just about, I think it was a week ago. I'm not sure. Dan was, it was just over a week. Yeah, right? it was just over a week ago, I think. Yeah. And I have to say it was one of the best interviews that I've ever had. And I just have been so excited to have him on the Tribe of Leaders because Dan is an international speaker, business and personal development coach, and the CEO of Leaders Must Lead. After 25 years of leading up to 2,000 people and being responsible for $150 million in revenue, Dan is an expert in leadership sales and business strategy. And I have to say, one of the most amazing people and empathetic people that I have met in a really long time. So I am so looking forward to our conversation, Dan, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me here. It was great to have you on our show, and I will do my very best to live up to that description. Very kind of you. It it, it was so wonderful to connect, and I'm glad that we have. Your story is powerful, and I'm glad to share here. Yeah, awesome. And I'm just going to say, too, because I don't know if we're going to be able to actually edit out um, some of the background noise. It just started to thunderstorm unexpectedly here in Philly as we're recording. So hopefully we can get that all out and everything sounds great. But if not, this is life and the show must go on. (laughs) So with that, Dan, share with us, how did you get started in leadership and, and what's kind of the beginning of your origin story? Yeah, the beginning of my story and all the leadership pieces came for me at a, at a very young age. I, I have so many crazy things that happened in my childhood, as I think so many people do. For me, I when I was six months old, I started having really clear memories. So I, I think back all the way to then. And when I was two years old, I was hidden from my father for six years. That started my journey in its own way. It took me a long time to realize that that, that going back there is where a lot of stuff started. And as I came out, uh, came back from that, my mother and I, we lived in just really significant poverty where she was selling herself so that we had a place to stay, that wow. we had no food in the house. And I, I, we would have like half a hot dog and I would eat and she wouldn't. And I was bullied pretty relentlessly 
all of that went on for a while. And then my mother got remarried. And at first I, I had some significant hope that, hey, things are going to be quote unquote normal. I don't know that that actually exists, but that was right. my hope at the time. Stable. Right. And I, when she remarried, I was actually exposed to abuse and violence and drugs and a lot of different stuff that was just super crazy there. And by the time I was 16, my friends didn't even know it, but I, I felt out of it. I felt unprepared. I felt overlooked and I felt pretty hopeless. And so at 16, I survived my first suicide attempt. That was the turning point that, that I, I came out of it with two understandings that I hold to this day. The first is that your environment, the people you're around, the places you are, that those things, they have real influence, but it's our choices that truly create change. And that, that is a fundamental belief that I hold to today. And the second is that I was meant to help a lot of people. Now, the problem there is that I had no idea what that meant. I had no, I had no <laughs> idea how, right? Like, help a lot of people, do good in the world. What does that mean? And that was the beginning of my leadership journey as I went to the next 25 years of trying to figure that out. Well, let me ask you this, because in your 16-year-old brain, as you're coming out of this attempted suicide and you really you have this aha moment of, I really want to help a lot of people, what were some of the first ideas that you had? It was, I, I think, colored by what was around in society. It was make more money. And it was, I actually went two diverse, diverse and divergent paths. It was make more money. So go become, go become a lawyer, get, get all the money that you possibly can. Or it was, believe it or not, go into ministry and do public speaking evangelism and travel around the world and help people. That is a definite interesting mix. <laughs> so how did you combine that or did you not? Well, I decided that none of it was going to be resolved for a while. So I worked at Meyer, uh, which is a local grocery store in the bakery for a while until I went off to college. I went off to college and did the thing there, got two degrees in four years, went to the University of Michigan, go blue, love my, love my school. And uh, I, I do, I can't help it. I bleed maize and blue for sure. But I, I went through that and I look back now and I think I, I wasted part of it, but I worked 40 hours a week the whole time. I ran some organizations. I had a relationship. I got these degrees and I was just headlong rushing through everything until I could get done with that. The problem with that is that that didn't allow me the space to figure out what I really wanted to do. Right. And so I stumbled at the end of that. You, you get done and you have degrees in English and history and you look around and you're like, what do I do with that? And so I went into sales, the natural, natural fallback for everybody in English and history. How did that go for you? Like, yeah. I don't see English and history majors being natural born sellers. So, Well, <laughs> it, it's interesting to see how many people who have English and history degrees okay. who look around and go, well, I can either go on with more school so that I can teach at a high level, or I can look around and go work in retail or sales or something like that. It was, it was pretty natural. And we're communicators, right? right? You know a little about history and a lot about English. You can communicate with people. I started in sales in 
the power equipment dealership business. I actually, I really started at Sears, I guess, to be fair. I started selling computers and, and that's a, a funny thing. We, for anybody who knows about computers back in the day, when I was selling computers, I would talk to somebody about the amount of RAM you needed to have in a computer. And I remember very distinctly saying eight megabytes of RAM is really the most you're going to need. 16 megabytes is way too much. And it just so happens right now we're getting ready to purchase a new computer for my son that has 32 gigabytes of RAM. And entirely different perspective, right? But, but I did that, sold that, and and the protection plans that went along with it. Moved into outdoor power equipment, got married, and got fired because I got married. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, how dare I? I got married somewhere near the busy season, and so that was enough of that. And then I newly married, went into straight commission in-home sales on telemarketed leads for home improvements. Now, I put all of those words out there and they still don't, I promise you, communicate how difficult of a transition that was. My first six months, I was paying to work. I earned less than $10,000 in that six months, but I drove 2,000 miles a week on my own dime. I went and did everything. and I got amazing experiences. The next 12 though, I figured it out and I flipped and it was my first six figure year, even in my early twenties. And I I had a year where I made over $110,000 and everything changed for me as I started to understand what sales is truly about. And that's a, that's a big part of, of what I still teach today. Absolutely. So what was it that changed for you? Like where, where did you make the connection in, in how to sell and go from 10,000 to over a hundred K? I made that connection in a couple of ways. One is that I realized that most of what people teach about sales is frankly garbage. That most of it is pretty well. I'm, I'm a pretty direct guy, so I'm going to say it, right? It's that, that's goodness. right. I mean, that's that's how it is. Mo- I, I promise you, anyone who goes through any of the sales training that I do, you will say this is not like any sales training that you've ever dealt with before. I guarantee it. And my clients have appreciated it and have done really well. The part of the biggest difference is that sales, like anything else, is about people. It's not about anything other than how do I help people win? How do I help recognize that they're ignorant, but not, not ignorant, stupid, like salespeople really want to treat people. They're ignorant in that they don't know. And so we can help them discover, help them really find out what they need that will solve their pain. Sales is about solving pain and, or really relieving pain or solving a problem. And if you do those two things and you do it with a heart to truly help people and you can offer a solution that makes sense, then you'll sell every time. And the last thing I would say to that, because I think this is crucially important for everyone listening, is to Mm -hmm. understand that every single person in the world is a salesperson and every interaction you have is a sale. The only question is, are you good at it? Absolutely. And I love that because you and I are aligned in how we approach sales. It gets really just about helping other people and filling the need that they have. And sometimes they don't know that they have a need too. Well, I, I think I think a lot of times people know they have a need, but they're not ready to admit that they have a need. Yeah. I actually was training with a couple of clients last week. And in each case, one of the things they said is, I have a really hard time highlighting the need or or, or helping people uncover the pain that they're feeling. And what I shared with them is that 
all you're really doing is uncovering the pain in public, meaning with the two of you, rather than at home, because we wouldn't be having a conversation about it if we didn't feel the pain enough to really frustrate us when we're alone. But then we go out and we're like, no, no, it's not actually that bad. We rationalize it. Right. So it's, it's what is that anxiety? What is that pain? What is that frustration that's there? And helping connect that it's a real thing. It's okay to talk about it. And now let's fix it. And that's the only way we get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So as you've switched, right, and you're, you now know that sales, like what the purpose of sales is for, you've you know, created your 100K plus year, what's next for you and how does that shift you into what you're doing now? Yeah, what was next was the part that made my wife cringe a great deal because I, I became very, very good at what I did putting numbers up that were 30, 40% better than anyone else. I was on a path to make, to work under 40 hours a week and make probably 300 grand a year. Nice. And, and by the way, I went back to all of my customers and took after pictures with them as well because right. I cared about the people. And when I went back, they, they weren't upset about the price or anything. They were just happy with what we'd done. And that's the part that, that most people, most salespeople are afraid of. But I realized that I was unsettled. I was, this was maybe the first or second spot that I started to feel that lack of fulfillment that, okay, I'm trying to help people, but I'm not, I, I interpreted it at that time that I wasn't helping enough people. I've recognized since that it's a little, that it's a little different meaning than that, but I, I wasn't finding that fulfillment. So I knew I needed to change. And what I knew as I looked into the, the core of my dark black heart, but as I looked into you know, that's I, not true. <laughs> I appreciate that. As I looked, as I looked inside, what I recognized is that my passion was to truly really help people and that I had a gift for training people. So I decided to pull back and instead of selling, make far less money teaching other people to sell at that time and have to rebuild everything. So I went from that to making 40 grand a year to teach people to sell and building up from zero. My wife's like, could you not have just earned the money for a little while first? And how did that bridge me to today? Well, that allowed me to teach hundreds of people to be able to sell and make six figures over time. And in doing that, I began to understand the power of teaching not only other people, but teaching them to teach other people. And I, then I started down this path of learning about leadership. And I can tell you, I did everything wrong as a leader for a long time. I, and I, I can, we could spend 20 podcasts highlighting all the many poor leadership decisions I made. Is I, I apparently like to learn everything the hard way. <laughs> you're gaining yeah. experience for all your oh, clients. <laughs> you're right, exactly. Well, that's what I tell them. I, I, I tell my clients and, and those that I meet, they ask, how did you learn so much? And I said, it's pretty simple. I've failed three times more than you because I run to the next failure that I stand up and, and rather than wallowing in it, I just run to the next failure. And I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because I know if I get through enough of them, I will find the win. And when I can do that, that's now I can take my number one gift in the world is synthesis. Yeah. So I can learn from a hundred places or a hundred losses as the case may be. And I can grab a little piece from each and make something better than any of them. And that's how then combine that with my ability to train. And that's what allows me to help unlock things in a simple way for other people. Right. Right. I love that. What are two lessons that you learned? In which the, part? In your journey to being a good leader. Ah, so the first one is very similar to what I say for sales. Mm -hmm. Leadership is about people. There, there's a common misunderstanding and it's maybe the first thing I share almost every time I train leadership, which is that managers focus on tasks. Leaders focus on people that the 
the, the people still get the task done. So everything gets done the same way, but the focus is entirely different. And if you approach everything, understanding that your one sentence job description is to do everything you can to help your people win and know that the rest will take care of itself, then you end up as a much stronger leader than any way you could otherwise. I love that. Yeah. And then if I were to, if I were to pick a second one, it would be to understand, and th- this is really the first part of when we teach leadership, which we teach in our Foundations of Success platform, we divide it into four pillars. And the first pillar is personal growth. And so the second lesson I, that I would say is that the hardest person to lead is yourself. So focus there. And when you're doing a good job at that, then you can move on to things like attitude, how you view the world, communication, how you interact with the world, and team, how you lead others. And if you if you think of it in that process and that that focus, that alignment, that you'll end up in the right spot. Okay. I love all of that. Like that's so aligned with what I teach and succinct and clear that I'm sure everybody that's that's taking your classes and working with you and training and coaching is seeing incredible success. We've been very fortunate to, to that. One of the things that I'm really proud of what we do is with my coaching, I don't do any contracts at all. And so when I work with people, we really expect them to see and feel movement and results. And 94% of our clients stay with us for more than a year and most of them for more than three years. So we're very excited about the work that we're able to do. And I'm just honored to be able to connect in that way with their lives across more than 15 industries. Yeah, that's incredible. And that speaks volumes of how effective you are in getting results. Yeah. I mean, in the end, the people want that personal internal change that creates external results. But if you can't connect the two, if you can't both affect the internal change and connect that to external results, then that relationship is going to be pretty short lived. It's very similar to any position that we would hold when we work somewhere. We have to have the right behaviors and the right results, the right performance. If we don't have both, we miss. Yeah, absolutely. Where does vision play a part for you? As you know, like I love vision casting and and reading goals, et cetera. And that's for me, part of the leadership piece where you're getting away from that to-do list and really staying on track by focusing on future. We are completely aligned in that. Don't be wrong. I'm a, I'm a fan of lists when used in the appropriate way. In our time effectiveness training, we spend <laughs> a lot of effort on how to get there and how to use it in a way that is that avoids overwhelm. But vision, I, I, I say, and it, we incorporate it pretty deeply into our leadership training as well. Vision is the fabric that pulls everything together. And I think a lot of leaders get caught in this space where they feel like vision is an event. Or vision is a thing that they that they kind of create, and then it'll just carry itself. But vision, in my mind, is part of a daily practice. We we create the vision, we shape it, but then we share it. I follow a and train a daily, weekly, monthly way to share vision, and to to cast that and keep it out there. Because I also understand that people need to hear things on average of eight times before they'll actually take action. They need to hear, see, feel, interact with it eight times. And can't do more than four in any one sitting. So you you have to do this multiple times. You have to be make it part of who you are. Otherwise, it isn't real and it doesn't catch the fire that you want. Ideally, everything else you do is gas upon the fire of the vision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree 
I think sometimes, at least for me, it takes more than eight. Right. That's the <laughs> average, right? Some There might be some that are 40. But I'm like you in that I've learned everything the hard way, which has been a great asset to all of my clients. <laughs> right. Exactly. We went through the pain, hope, so hopefully they yeah. can have less, right? Yeah. That's why it's all about the fast track part of, of like somebody else's business. I'm like, here's the compressed version of what you really just need to do. <laughs> well, and, and in the end that, that gets to a core belief of mine about coaching that I, I, that I think you and I are very aligned on, which is that you're not paying so much for knowledge because you can Google almost anything. What you're paying for is time. The timely application of that knowledge of that experience means that you can get years back. So anyone who tells me that they, that they can't afford a coach and, and you're incredible at what you do. I see the results from, from your clients. I, I see it as people comment on your posts and share their interactions with you. And I feel the energy coming from you as, as you do what you're saving them. It isn't, it isn't like some magic sprinkling of fairy dust. It's that you're saving them actual time and also the stress and frustration and overwhelm that come with it. And all you have to do is ask yourself, what's the value of a year? And it answers whether you should have a coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe everybody should have a coach. hundred percent. Everything because it's, it's that piece of somebody else who has different experience who can see outside of you and blow up your blind spots so that you have fewer of them. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And in, in fact, one of the questions that we ask at the end of our podcast, it relates to resources and things like that. And one of the most common answers is everybody needs a coach that and when one of the things that I'll share is that I encounter businesses, they're either in build, recover or accelerate. And most of them most people decide they're finally going to go get a coach whenever they're in life or in business, finally in the recover mode, when they're feeling so much pain that they have an emergency. But those who succeed the fastest get it in the build phase and they plan a coach as part of their essential service, just like they were paying rent, just like they were paying electricity. They add in a coach to that function and it typically saves them two to three years in the growth of their business. Absolutely. I agree. And I've watched my clients, you know, skyrocket from zero to hundred K in six to 12 months. And had they not been working with me or somebody else, they would have fumbled along a lot more slowly. Yeah. And it's very true. I see the same thing. We have, I have one client that they went from zero to about 3 million in the space of five years. We would predicted that it would take them three years to get to a million dollars. They were at 1.1. We have other clients that do the same thing. And it, and it is, it's exactly that. It's that external perspective. It's having the right person that fits you and your needs and, and someone that you're actually going to listen to. I could be a great coach, but be a terrible fit for somebody. If they aren't going to listen, if they aren't ready, and we don't have the right vibe, then then it's going to be as if they didn't have a coach and just an expensive way to find out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. I'm curious because you put an amazing quote, I think unintentionally in, in the form that I had you fill out. And I want to read that because I think it's amazing. I'm just going to pull it up real quick. Sure. Now I'm very curious. I actually copied it. And we're going to put that in one of the Instagram stories when we promo your episode. You wrote, in every way, leadership is core to all we do. First, we lead ourselves. Then we observe the world. Then we interact with the world. We also express leadership in groups. The only question is, are we good at it? I love that because how would you measure being really good? 
Yeah. In the end, we we measure that as we do everything else from the results that it creates, right? From the from what it inspires. If leadership is about other people, it's it's how do we develop and support other people? And to be able to do that, we need to begin with ourselves. I appreciate the quote was inspired by our model for foundations of success for the leadership core. We call this we have cornerstones and we have building blocks within that platform. And in, leadership is the first cornerstone. So maybe it's the keystone, if you will, because much like everyone's a salesperson, everyone's a leader and it's only whether you're good at it. Right. And let's talk about your program a little bit, because I know you have a free course that you're gifting everybody who's listening Mm -hmm. here. So share a little bit about that so that people can align with it and see if they're a good fit for it. Absolutely. The, The platform is something that I've been working toward for quite a while. It is called Foundations of Success. And it's exactly that. It is the training that everyone needs But most of us don't necessarily go out and seek because we like to go grab the things that are flashy and shiny and nice. And those are cool. But a lot of times those are like putting a roof on a house that's made of paper, right? With walls made of paper. Our goal is to give you the walls and make them cinder block solid so that you can put the roof on it and go wherever it is that you want in the world. So we include things that are in the building blocks, like how to evaluate risk, how to make faster decisions, make decisions, in fact, twice as two or three times as fast so you can get through them more effectively, how to avoid overwhelm, how to communicate effectively. That's the one we're getting ready to put live now, how to manage your time effectively, all of these different things that are basic pieces that that interact with all of our lives. And we've done that because they're the exact trainings that were requested by all of my one-on-one clients. Not one or two of them, but literally every single one. And they've been paying me lots of money over the years, and in many cases, multiple times to go through it and have me train their teams again. And we said, how can we make this affordable? How can we put it in a way that makes sense and makes it easy? And is shiny and five to seven minute segments and all of those beautiful things. And leadership was the first part we put live. We also took all of the trainings from the mastermind that I've held for the last two years and put them in there. So it's 40 plus hours that are there. In leadership, as I mentioned a moment ago, we have four pillars. We divide all of our trainings into the key pillars. And personal growth is the first pillar. You're the hardest person to lead is you. And we decided that not only to promote the platform, But because it was just this essential that everyone should have it, that we wanted to give an opportunity for the audience that I connect with. We wanted to give you that opportunity to go through and do this class at no cost. And so you can go to the platform and the the link, I believe, will be in the show notes. You can also find it from my website, leadersmustlead.com, and just click on the banner and you go in, set up a 20-second profile. It'll take you about 20 seconds to set it up, and you can do an hour-and-a-half free class on leadership that is exactly what all of our clients get. Awesome. And yes, the link will definitely be in the show notes. And I would invite everybody to check that out. Even if you're feeling like you're already leading really well and getting the results, there's a place to up-level all the time. And there's certain things that I think we should and can revisit over and over again and get something new from it. One of the really cool things that is included in that segment, because we wanted to make sure that everything shines there in in terms of all the pieces that'll be part of the platform, is that we do provide a leadership behavior checklist. And I I take actually 30 minutes and walk through it. And it lets you take an objective view of what are poor behaviors, expected behaviors, and exceptional behaviors, and rate yourself and create a quick improvement tool that 
we've shared over the years with thousands of people and have consolidated and made easy to use here that I think your audience will find very useful. Absolutely. So definitely sign up right out. Just sign up for that. That in and of itself is tremendous value because I think a lot of people aren't clear about how they can show up and be more effective, right? We're all in our little uh, routines and habits, et cetera. And there's places for us to up level. We are. And one of the things you asked me earlier was what does good leadership look like? And that question was asked by my team one year, many years ago now, maybe 10 years ago now, we were having a conversation and I was sharing philosophy of leadership and we discussed and debated that. And then a few weeks later, they came back and said, we got really excited. We got really up and that, that was great theory, but what does it practically look like? And from that moment, we created this form and this, and it's become the tool that has been used for so many. So if you want to know what leadership looks like, it's right there. There you go. And that's perfect because I think so many times we talk about the theory, but there's nothing tangible to go and implement afterwards. So you can't shift, you can't improve or change because you don't know what actually to do to create the result from the theory. Yeah, that's that's actually a big part of the philosophy of how I train as well. I ended up labeling it a couple of years or maybe a year or so ago now, the 4S system. We start with shift your lens because the first thing that we have to do is see clearly. And then we talk about solidifying your skills. Whatever skills are related to that shift, we've got to get the skill in place. Then strategize so that you can strategize your steps, right? So that you really start looking at how can I go forward in the best way? And then finally is start moving to actually do this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I want to shift gears a little bit. Yeah, for sure. What's next for you? Like it's been such an interesting year and I think everybody's had to shift and pivot a little bit or a lot, depending on you know where you were at. But I mean, I presume you've been working virtually in addition to doing live events. What does the future look like for you? For me, my mission is very clear to significantly and positively impact the lives of a million creatives and entrepreneurs in the next 10 years to give them the foundations of success they need to achieve their dreams. But bigger than that, the reason we're doing that is so that they can then in actually use those tools that they've gained to inspire true generational change and decrease the larger problems in the world like human trafficking and hunger and racism in measurable ways. That's the long game. Short game, I also working to create a foundation called Light from Darkness to help reduce suicides in the world. I'm a big advocate for mental health among leaders and for speaking out about that. And I have been connected to so many who have shared in that area as well. And practically, from a practical standpoint, yes, I've had to shift. I travel and speak around the world and was supposed to speak in 12 countries this year. That got moved down to one. So (laughs) that number shrunk quite a bit. And as we did, we pulled back and said, how can we help virtually? How can we focus on our podcast? And then how could we make sure we got the platform finally up and running? So in that sense, I'm grateful because Foundation of Success is live partially because of this. And going forward into the future, it's helping in whatever way the freedom to travel allows us and recognizing always that people matter most and relationships are everything. Wow. So your plate's full. I think that's a fair statement. I would say it is full, but pleasantly so. I've gotten a lot better at saying no. I've been recently reminded of my own lessons as I teach other people to say either heck yes or no to things. And I've gotten better at saying no. I still struggle a little bit with it, but here I am. 
for me, though, there's a certain joy in having completely different things to work on. And there's a certain level of, I'm going to say busy, even though I don't like the word, where I perform better and I feel more fulfilled. So I'm curious if that's the same for you. I do. I'm not really the sit around, do nothing guy. And so when I start feeling like uh, there's space there, then I feel like I need to fill it. I should clarify, unlike earlier in my life, that doesn't mean I can't relax. Earlier in my life, I had no relax. I took myself way too seriously. Now I take my business seriously and my work seriously, but myself, not at all. I'll interview people as I have wearing an inflatable ostrich riding costume. I really just don't take myself that seriously. And I think that has helped, but yes, I feel fulfilled when I'm able to connect, when I'm able to meet new people. One of the things that I look at, and I I look at this in coaching as well, is understanding what energizes you and what drains you. And I've spent this year making a big shift, a couple of them really, but one particular shift has been that at the end of last year, I realized that only 5% of my time was being spent on either the things that only I could do that I was incredibly able to make an impact at or that drove the business forward. I was getting caught in the whirlwind. And instead, I've stepped out of that whirlwind and my target by the end of this year is 75 to 80% as a minimum. And I'm at about 55 right now to 60. And it feels a huge amount better. It's a shift I encourage everyone to make. But a big part of it was saying, what energizes me and doing more of that? How about you? What energizes you in this shift? really connecting with people and learning people's stories like that is so much fun for me. And I love the question that you're asking, like what energizes me? Because I think we get stuck in that I have to do this and I've got to do that and all these little pieces or even some of the big things and the should of just daily life. Right. And when you reframe into the, what energizes me, like that just takes and melts everything off of your plate. That's not relevant. I even like to reframe it as what lights you up. I think I asked that on a, in a social post the other day, that's like what lights you up. It gets us, you're right into that different. It's it's shifting the lens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we are only as good as the questions we ask. I agree with that entirely. I wish more people did. In fact, in the communication training that we're doing, we have the pillars of listen, ask, act, and grow. And ask is all about asking better questions. Be more curious. One of the best pieces of advice I was given by a boss I actually didn't like very much, frankly. I was really frustrated when he shared this and some other advice with me. And I guess maybe that's some of the best advice comes. But it stuck with me. Be more curious. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you're seeking different opportunities and different answers. Right. And this has been amazing. I'd love for you to share how everybody can connect with you again and be able to reach out with you. Sure. I'd love to connect with everybody. Much like you, I'm energized by connections. I love to meet people, talk with them and engage. Leadersmustlead.com has a lot of information about my business and what I do and a little bit about my background. I would say that uh, another great place to connect is the Dreams Are Real Facebook group, which is the Facebook group that supports our podcast, but it's become a nice, warm community as well. And it's building and growing. So those are probably the two best places, but you can find me everywhere else, LinkedIn, Facebook, just look for my name or my company. Absolutely. I'm going to have to join the Facebook group. I don't think I'm in it. I thought you were, but if not, we'll fix that right away. We will. Absolutely. And I invite everybody to check out Dan's podcast, Dreams Are Real, because it has some incredible guests on there who have amazing stories. And I have to say one of the best podcasts that I've been on 
It's very kind of you. Thank you so much. I'm so just honored by the stories that we've been able to tell and that we've been able to show that wherever you're from, whatever your background, whatever you dealt with, that there's always light through the darkness and dreams are always real. They are. They absolutely are. So thank you. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. And I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 